0: It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Clap, 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 clap your hands and stomp your feet. You're listening. You're listening
1: to the Clap Your Hands Podcast. Hosted by Elliot Shore Parks and Kyle Newbeck.
0: Here they come. Lots to get into today. Um, I think originally I wrote the uh, rundown for today. I was not going to lead with this. But Kyle, you were down at practice today and there was an update on Tyrese Maxey. I've only seen tweets about it and it seems like it's not very good. But uh, what's the latest on Tyrese and what's your kind of takeaway on what Doc had to say today?
1: So it seems like Tyrese has not made the progress maybe we were expecting a week or two ago. I actually mm-hmm. there's a, I put together a timeline of events. So November 19th is when we found out uh, that Tyrese was going to miss time. At the time, this, the team said reevaluated in two weeks. The behind the scenes reporting said you know three to four weeks because mm-hmm. small fracture in his foot. So. I actually thought that was optimistic, at least based on my experience of foot injuries at the time. But yeah, yeah. you take people at their word. Uh, December 7th, we were told by Doc Rivers that Tyrese had started shooting and was in the gym as of December 5th. He's doing a bit of running, but not really sprinting and not running in a way that's like I'm playing basketball, it's just kind of yeah. getting up and down and moving around. Running Uh, earlier than you run, probably more a a regular in a pickup game. Yeah, yeah, at (laughs) this point in my life. (laughs) Yeah, so December 13th, which we're recording this on the 15th, December 13th, Doc said before the Kings game, he was hoping to get Tyrese in a practice end of this week, but that felt optimistic to him at the time. That was not where he was trending. And then today we show up, and Doc essentially says, you know, that he doesn't think he's anywhere close to ready, that he's not able to get on the floor at practice. He's still only really able to do most of the things he had told us about on December 7th. So that's just running, but not necessarily sprinting. He said that Tyrese cannot do a lot of cutting or sudden movements or stopping, which those are all very important things yes. on a basketball court. Yeah. Um. So he said, obviously, as he always likes to say, he is not a doctor, but based on where he's at and what he's been able to do, he doesn't think he's gonna be back ex- until maybe two weeks from now. Mm-hmm. Now, whether it keeps going longer than that, or there's a nice surprise in the meantime, you don't know. These injury recovery timelines are always fluid, so it could be you know, a few days from now. Tyrese gets a couple of good workouts in in a row, gets cleared for practice. Whatever. Uh, I think the big headline is ultimately like they need to be cautious with him. The worst thing they could do is bring him back too soon because. You know, if he has to sit out six weeks, two months, whatever it is from the initial injury, that's obviously terrible. But if you bring him back too soon and then you cause another injury because of that, either you reaggravate the one that he already has yeah. or because of how the lower body works, you're putting too much pressure on the other foot and then your, your chain of motion gets all out of sync. Like I'm not a kinesiologist or anything, but I right. know that... Once you start to favor something, that's a lot of times when there are more catastrophic injuries elsewhere. And so what you want is for him to really build that base up strong, come back when he's 100% ready, and then he's full go for the rest of the year. And that's what I think is the approach here. And I think that's the the smart and
0: cautious approach is the best one here. Now, do you think this is a setback or do you think the initial timeline was probably optimistic? Because I think the initial reaction to hearing this was, wow, he's going to be out what, m- way longer than expected. And I think also from the way Doc talked about it, you mentioned he said out before the Kings game, maybe he'll practice at the end of the week. And all of a sudden, it's only been a few days. And it seems like a, a very different diagnosis or a very different timeline. Um, I agree they can't rush him back. As tempting as it is, because I know they're playing well. They won three in a row. We'll, we'll get into to why they're playing well. And, and the three wins really matter but they're not running away with the one seed. We talked about this on the last pod. This team has had a bit of a luxury the last few years where you're so far ahead or, or at least so clearly in that top three that you can rest guys and Joel can take days off and not play backs to backs. They're in a bit of a different situation than normal because they didn't get off to a good start where they're a little more in the pack. So do you think this was a setback from Tyrese or just an initial overly optimistic?
1: I don't, I have not heard anything yet to suggest there was a setback. That's something that, you know, we might find that out over time if that happens. I think it might just be initial optimism was a little too strong because it's a broken foot. Like, even if it's a small fracture in the foot, it's still a broken foot. And Doc has made this point several times over the last week. The problem with lower body injuries is that not only are you trying to have your body heal, you also can't get in any sort of real cardio. Like you might be able to swim some, but that's really it. And even that, like you're using your legs and mm-hmm. that's a, with a foot injury, I guess it's not that bad, but there are limited options to what you can do in order to get your base of conditioning there. So he's got to work on his lower strength on top of all the conditioning stuff he's got to do. So that's another consideration. Um, really. I, I don't know when he's going to come back at this point. I, I tend to hope that it's closer to within that two weeks, but we don't really know. I've dealt with foot injuries. I know I've obviously covered Mm -hmm. Joel Embiid had major foot injuries and they're not something that you can ever take lightly. Like, I don't think people really understand uh, like basketball is not a contact sport in the way football is where it's like a car crash on every play, but playing on hardwood 82 nights a year plus playoffs any sort of foot injury or lower extremities your knees your ankles whatever you have to take such good care of them because you are taking a beating just by simply running up and down the floor let alone you know jumping high and, and doing all the up and down stuff you have to do in a normal NBA game so that i i think you have to take foot injuries really seriously and i think this might have just been a case of
0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The thing I've found from covering lower body injuries in, in the NFL, now they play on grass, but but the thing I've found is in season, it is so hard to recover from a lower body injury. For the exact reason you just mentioned, it's hard to get cardio in. When you come back, you favor one versus the other. And then in a season, you're just naturally pushing to get back sooner than you would in the off season because obviously you're not playing games in the off season. So whether it's a setback, not a setback, um, overly optimistic, whatever, however we want to characterize it. My next question to you would be how concerning is this for the whole year? Because he is a young guy. So you would think that would help. Obviously when Joel went through foot injuries, he's a, a center. So he's just a much larger body Tyrese I mean, he probably has what? 120 pounds on, on Tyrese. So it's not as much weight on the foot. But Tyrese is someone that very much depends on his speed, very much depends on getting out in the open court and running. What's your concern that even when he does come back, this might just be something that that he has to deal with the entire year? And maybe he just – it's unrealistic to think he'll get back to 100% in season with this type of foot injury. So I would hope it's not like that. It, it tends or- – this is my ignorant view
1: of things with it being a, a fracture rather than some sort of uh, tendon muscle. or muscle yeah. injury it should just be once it's healed and it's fully back in place and all that that should just be it like it, yes he's going to have to do all this work to build his conditioning and cardio and all that but it shouldn't be too much of a risk mm-hmm. as long as they treat it correctly and are you know as cautious as we've said they should probably be with it I think it should be fine, but also you never know. Like this is a kid who on top of being like a high minute guy for them has always been a a really, really hard worker. So there's never been a point where you have to question his conditioning and all that. And so we've never really seen a version of Tyrese Maxey that is not in like best possible career, best shape. Right. It's him all the time because he plays so much. So there is going to be that initial, you know, you have to work through that you're going to have to get, Game reps and maybe be on a lower minute count coming back. Uh, to, to your point, though, there is the the good news is he's a smaller guard. And so it's not the same process as it is for, you know, 280, 300 pound Joel Embiid who has to worry about uh, carrying all that weight around. And the conditioning process is a little more complicated. Honestly, the real concern I have looking forward is that James Harden is mm-hmm. currently leading the NBA in minutes per game now he hasn't played a ton of games because he was himself out for a month but that's almost reason for more concern right like he came back and immediately we're told he has a minutes restriction and he's playing like 40 minute games yeah 38 minutes i think it was versus houston yeah and now some of that's they played overtime and double overtime against houston and that's out of their control they certainly don't go into a game thinking hey we're playing overtime tonight but they're still pushing him basically to his limit and he was asked how his foot feels before or after the either the hornets or the kings game and because of the minutes count and he just said well i'm out on the floor essentially yeah. and so that's good enough that's not what you want to hear you want him to be like the whole theme of the off season was james has this time to get his body right He had the hamstring injury that held him back for about a year. He finally had all offseason to get his body right, get his mind right, get his game right. And now to go through this month-long injury and come back and he's telling you, you know, I feel good enough to be on the floor, but it's not like, yeah, I'm good. Like, I'm ready. And that, to his credit, other than that Houston game and some parts of the Lakers game, I think he's looked really good. He's obviously, and we'll get into it, he's made a big impact on their offense. But the more you tax him in December to get these wins to pull out of that muck they're in, the the more you're taking away from the end of the year. Like this is not 26 year old, 27 year old James Harden who can just play, 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 run, run, run all year. And so they have to find a balance of they need to trust those bench guys. They have to lean on Shake Milton and De'Anthony Melton and you know even guys who you don't necessarily want to play like Furkan corkmaz, just so that you're not playing James 38, 40 minutes a night just to get a win in early December or mid-December, I guess, at this point.
0: Well, and the other tough part about that too, I just, from the, my short time watching James here, and I think at his age, this is why this happens. I mean, you think about when they traded for him last year, his first four or five games were unreal, right? Minnesota, the Knicks, he, he looked phenomenal in those games. And then um, this year, comes out, kills it at the beginning of the year. I think what you're seeing with him is because of his age and because of, to your point, how much he's playing, when he's able to play fresh, he still is a good player. And his numbers look outstanding. I mean, you could argue when he's playing at his best, he might still be a top. I mean, 10 is strong, but I don't know, 15, wherever you want to put him. He's not the wash James Harden. But where, where he runs into issues is after those first four or five games, you see his play slowly decrease you saw it last year again after the the beginning uh when they first got him his play his play went down as the season went on beginning of the year comes out looks awesome slowly goes down he's injured so i don't think it's a coincidence that the beginning of coming back from this injury he's played a lot better to your point he should not be leading the league in minutes and especially on a team where had we recorded been doing this at the beginning of the season. I would have said this is one of the deepest teams they've had in a while. Like the perception yeah. of this team was they have the depth and they're deeper than last year. Now, I know they don't play the same positions, but a lot of guys have not panned out. Daniel House has not been as good uh, as expected. I mean, Ferk is what he is. And then Tyrese obviously getting hurt is a big part of this. So what would you do if you're them? Because on one hand, I see your point. He cannot be playing the most minutes in the league. That That is not something he can continue doing. But they're not running away with the one seed. One thing you've talked about that I think is true is they do need reps together. What's the answer? I mean, to your point, I guess, play shake a little more lean on FERC, even if it doesn't work out. I, 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 especially when you're doc and you are on the hot seat to a certain extent. I mean, is that, is that the result of this? Is that why he's playing them so much?
1: At some of it, but honestly, like, and we didn't even bring him up yet. I feel like we've been talking about him a lot recently. De'Anthony Melton also dealing with an on and off back issue that, you know, he missed the game the other night. And so even when he's available, you know, in theory, he's one of your best players. You want him on the court a lot. And he's someone that he's not James Harden, certainly, but he can take some of those secondary uh, playmaking reps and you play him with Shake Milton. And obviously they found success when all these guys were out. Mm-hmm. But you don't want to overtax him either, right? Like a back injury in a lot of ways is even more serious than these like foot injuries where back injury flares up and there's often just nothing you can do about it, especially in the middle of the season. Like I, we've heard nothing except to say he's dealing with tightness. Now what that exactly means and the severity of the pain he deals with day to day, I don't know, but you don't want to, you know, put that on him. Then you know, all of a sudden De'Anthony Melton's playing 30 whatever minutes a night and he's basically a questionable guy to play in the lineup any given night. So, yeah, I think a lot of it's going to come down to Shake Milton and like at the start of the year I was really down on him. I think good. he I think he's been very good and yeah. he the problem for him has never been that he didn't have the skill or the talent to be a regular contributor he always got hurt whenever he was in a good run of form. And mm-hmm. so that is certainly a concern, you know, looking ahead, maybe he's not the most durable player and maybe playing him a lot exposes him to some of that risk, but like you can't protect him too. You can't protect everybody. And so I think shake is going to have to step up into more of a, and he really has been in this role already. He's going to have to play this more traditional sixth man role, sort of anchor those bench units. I think he's done a really good job of, Finding that middle ground between playing off of people like Harden and Embiid, and also when it's these bench-heavy groups taking the reins and you know leading by himself. So that's been a huge development, I think, that has allowed them to get through this stretch. But you know, ultimately, he's probably going to come back down to earth at some point, and yeah. so it, you're in you're just in a really tough spot here, like having one of your best players and high-minute guys hurt. And another one being older and someone who needed to protect. Like it's there are so many variables to weigh, and then the doc stuff on top of all of that. We were talking a little bit before the podcast. Like I don't think he has felt real pressure from the organization. I told you that I think everybody has been in the boat together. Mm-hmm. But he hears what people say. Like he's he's well aware that he gets blamed for pretty much everything. That the fan base is not happy with him. He gets booed before games from time to time. That everyone is out for blood with him yes and so he's going to make moves in a lot of cases that are self preservation moves and that's not a criticism that's you know if you and i were in career jeopardy yeah we had to do a certain thing to save our jobs we would do it like that's what that's what you do unless you want to be you know unemployed and especially in this business where there's always somebody else ready to step up and, and same thing with doc there's always another coach waiting to step up and take that job. So he's going to do what he needs to do to keep his team open.